The Super Bowl has come and gone, and Dynasty Leaguers can learn a lot from Mr. Tom Brady. Constantly outworking your opponent, outsmarting your opponent, putting in the hours, and being the wily veteran, it's critical. It's critical to Dynasty success. What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm Max, here with Mr. Run DMC, and he is going to be the one to tell you why right now is a critical time for you and your dynasty team. Yeah, because this is why we play dynasty, is for the offseason, this uh, ability to have this 24-7, 365 opportunity to be thinking about fantasy football. So right now, the, the, the season is over, and everyone's starting to look on the horizon towards all the new rookies, getting excited there. But there's some opportunity to look at some players that perhaps didn't uh, impress as much as you would have hoped in this last year, but you still have potential hope for going forward. So to be able to make moves on players that other people aren't really thinking about right now as an investment is a huge opportunity for you to gain an edge in your league going into this next season. So I know we've got a few guys that we want to cover uh, with this episode to be able to kind of uncover, are there some hidden gems uh, going into next year? Or are there some guys that you should maybe stray away from uh, as you start to evaluate what you want your roster to be going next season. So, Max, you ready to talk about some guys? I'm ready. Let's get into it. So to pivot quickly from the greatest quarterback of all time yes, to sir. a guy who, despite his high draft capital just a couple of years ago, really is kind of disappointed in the eyes of uh, gang green fans, and that sure. is Mr. Mr. Sam Darnold. And the thing that is kind of crazy about Sam Darnold, Dan, is that he's not even 24 years old yet. Highly recruited out, highly recruited to USC, super early breakout, the youngest quarterback in the Super Bowl era to start a week one game. His career is so young, and yet it just feels like it's already over. Yeah, and exactly. I Which might be take, unfair. <laughs> it might be unfair. And that's why I want to take a quick look at some of the forces that have been working against Sam Darnold thus far, which is partially the team he plays for, right? And exactly. Apologies to any Jets fans out there, but I'm not telling you anything you don't know. According to Pro Football Focus, their line is ranked number 29th in the NFL. They are Ooh. literally allowing pressure in 2.5 seconds or less on 28% of quarterback dropbacks. Even Mr. Tom Brady, Dan, would have a yeah. hard time playing in that offense. Right exactly. Now. You're not giving him any time. No time at all. Um, and to flip that a little bit, despite offensive line woes, a stat that I love to look at for QBs because it feels like it levels the playing field is clean pocket completion percentage. Sure. And Sam Darnold's clean pocket completion percentage was number six and number 14 in the NFL in 2020 and 2019, respectively. So this is a guy that when he gets the time, when he has the protection, something that I know we could say all quarterbacks need, right? You're a yep. product of your surrounding talent and your protection. Exactly. When he gets that time, he can make the money throws. He can make it work. And so I want to maybe ask you, to uh, dive into your crystal ball a little bit here because the, the big thing to be is Adam Gase is finally gone, right? Oof, thank God. And yeah, yeah, Adam Gase is gone. We don't have to talk about him. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. He can't hurt us anymore. But, you know, it's hard, Dan, because I sit here and I'm like, man, Adam Gase is gone. If only we had a way to predict the future for a quarterback that suffered under... Oh, wait, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, that's right. We've seen it and, it, and that story ends out quite well. It ends yes. up pretty darn good. 
Yes. So we have the comparison. We saw somebody who was not great under Gase. Gase leaves. Tannehill is all of a sudden looking like a borderline all-pro quarterback. So, Dan, I want you to look into your crystal ball, right? We don't know if Sam's going to be on the Jets, not on the Jets. Right. Give us a little bit of a projection either way of what you think the range of outcomes for Sam Darnold could look like. Yeah, it's it's interesting because as, as you're saying, break out the crystal ball and make the predictions. It's hard because you're not seeing the, the Jets tip their cards uh, too much as of right now. They have a lot of options. And so the thing I'd say here is regardless of what path uh, Sam Darnold has, uh, goes down, we'll cover a couple, I think they all net out better than what he's experienced over the past two seasons. So let's say, for example, that he continues to stay on the Jets because they they drafted him, they believed in him. He's, as you've mentioned, still very young, uh, missed out on parts of his season due to mono and injuries and all these other things. So there's this opportunity for kind of clean slate going into this season. Uh, and they have a decent amount of draft capital to be able to uh, give him some more weapons. Uh, as we've been talking about, like a top O-line, uh, opportunity to trade back and get some other uh, wide receiver weapons. There's like some real clear paths towards giving Sam Darnold a lot more to work with than what he's had pri- uh, previously. However, there also is kind of chat around. I mean, you got uh, Trevor Lawrence likely going to the Jags with one. So is there a Justin Fields or another quarterback that they might be interested in? And Sam Darnold is able to find a new home. Uh, so that's kind of the other option there. And you look, of course, like if, uh, you're looking at teams that need quarterbacks. You've got the Bears, you've got the Patriots, Washington. Uh, I think you and I have been chatting, and one place that we'd love to see him go in particular is the Colts. We're talking about his uh, woes when it comes to offensive line. Uh, talk about a 180 opportunity and being able to go and play with the Colts with some weapons that they have there. It could be a Cinderella story opportunity for him to really kind of revitalize his career there. So whether he sticks with the Jets and they invest more in the weapons, or they're able to trade him away to a much better situation, it's hard not seeing his his uh, opportunities go up, uh, regardless of which path he goes down next season. So any thoughts there? I would love to see him playing behind the Colts offensive line, man. Quentin Nelson is looking like a future Hall of Famer. I mean, I feel like he could block two guys at once, just stiff arm one, stiff arm the other. Right. That, that guy is a monster. Um, yeah. I think we also brought up the Denver Broncos could be a fun landing spot, you know? For sure. Um, I think I professed my Noah Fant love on the last show. And um, I know you're... I know you're a big Cortland Sutton fan. You'd have him coming back. Yeah. You got Judy. You got Hamler. You got Albert Akawuzoro-Wooey-Boonham. I mean, just the sky is the limit with some of the weapons there. Um, So I think there's really a lot of fun teams. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because oftentimes quarterbacks are not only a product of their offensive line, but their surrounding talent. And with Denzel Mims injured, Jamison Crowder injured, it feels like he really hasn't had a fair shake and great weapons in that offense. Um, and I'd just love to see him, whether it's on that offense with better weapons and a better coach or go somewhere else. I think, you know, some sort of change could be huge for Sam Donald. Agreed. And the best part about it is if you're in your dynasty league, he is not being valued very highly. So definitely an opportunity to be able to go send out some offers and see what you can get, especially in a super flex uh, with the upside of being your QB too. Uh, definitely a great grab there. Yep. I love investing in those guys in Superflex. The guys that you think have the talent are not being valued according to like even really great, like average starter play. Yeah. Um, those are always guys to target. Um, so to to kind of flip the script and start looking at this from some of the supporting cast perspectives, Dan, I want to talk about a guy who 
I guess he's he's had a little bit of a weird run at the beginning of his career, and that is Mr. Nikhil Harry, right? Uh, Nikhil Harry, yes. So Nikhil Harry, just just two rookie drafts ago, was one of the hottest picks you could make, right? This kid yep. coming out of Arizona State was an 18-year-old freshman breakout, following it up with over 1,100 yards in his sophomore season. And he goes to the combine and he blazes. He absolutely blazes. He's a monster of a man, 6'2", 228 pounds, running a 4-5-3. He looked like everything we wanted for the Patriots to have in their offense. And oh my gosh, we were so excited to see things, them be able to grab him. But Things just haven't worked out. And it's, it's been a really weird path. And I want, I want you to try to help me reason this whole Nikhil Harry situation because basically injured his whole rookie year right like yeah minimal time on the field playing with tom brady notoriously a hard playbook and quarterback to get on the same page with um then he gets cam newton in his second year yeah finally gets throwing some field ducks. time yeah finally throwing ducks finally gets some field time uh i guess it's a little bit of an indictment that he wasn't able to like really beat out you know jacoby myers and demir bird and, and yeah. all these other guys um but it feels like we still have yet to see the failings or risings of Nikhil Harry and agreed whenever we talk about Pat's wide receivers I get a little bit nervous because I start to get that like Aaron Dobson or even Chad Jackson feeling (laughs) uh for those of you old enough to remember that pick in the second round um it was the first time the Patriots had taken a first round wide receiver since Terry Glenn in 96 so injuries his rookie year Cam Newton his second year Dan my question to you is do you think Nikhil Harry's a true number one? Do you think he'd be a better number two or a big slot or something like that? Like, what are your what are your thoughts on Nikhil Harry? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like, uh, although he's really had some cards stacked against him uh, for these first two seasons, again, as we mentioned, injuries, quarterback play, whatever it might be, and just Tom Brady not typically wanting to embrace a rookie, uh, regardless of how talented they are. Um, I feel like if you're a true number one, we would have seen a few more glimpses of greatness than we have up to this point. Not saying it's totally out of the question, but what I think he really does need at this point is someone else to be able to draw some coverage and not have uh, as much pressure on him as he has had because he can make some big plays and he has made some big plays, but lacking in the consistency and specifically his separation has been brought up over and over as a big area of concern. And if you're going up against one of the top cornerbacks, you're going to get blown out of the water if you can't uh, get a little bit more separation from them uh, to be able to make those types of plays. He's big bodied, like he can kind of muscle you out and he needs to be able to do that if he doesn't have that separation. So it lends himself to being like this really nice big play number two wide receiver if we can get someone else that can draw off some coverage there and be able to to bring out uh, what makes him uh, the good player that he is. So... I'm uh, I'm starting to see my my um, thoughts on him being this big, true number one start to fade a little bit. But I have absolute confidence that as we put another player beside him, that he can start to explode a little bit more than he has uh, over the past two seasons. So that's kind of my thoughts on on him as of right now. I I love the point about the separation, right? Because that's the thing about playing in the slot. Like, let's say they moved him into the slot and he plays yeah. that uh, old school Marcus Colson role, right? Yep. I mean, this guy is a 90th percentile speed score yeah. and, and size and the frame to toss around, you know, slot cornerbacks, which are typically smaller than the guys playing on the outside, you know, unless For you're sure. following somebody all over the field. 
up. That's a great point. I really do. I want to say I feel like he still has the potential to be a one, but I think your analysis is probably a little bit more spot on than mine. Um, you know, he was a yak monster in college and just some guy yep. for, for somebody so big was so elusive in the open field. Um, the jury's still out. I'm holding out hope. I would say if you could go dumpster diving for some shares of Nikhil Harry for some shares of Nikhil Harry right now, I say you go do it. Um, I would as well because the upside is huge, right? The upside is massive, and the and the cost is not nearly what it uh, required uh, when you're drafting him. So to be able to toss out a mid to late second, you might get someone who's looking to uh, get excited about this upcoming rookie class instead, and be able to have someone who technically right now on paper is the Patriots wide receiver one. So speaking of other first rounders, maybe even higher first rounders, we know he was a higher first rounder that have oh, also yes, missed sir. expectations. This is going to become the Dan show. Dan, I want you to talk about your truther. You've been a Corey Davis fan since I've known you. That's true. That's true. It. And so I, I think, first off, when I came into the, the dynasty um, kind of community, it was just as Corey Davis was starting to become a little bit of a meme in terms of people liking him beyond um what he's been able to produce and then at that time i was like you know what well i'm gonna keep that train rolling and just embrace being a Corey davis truther as we go in because um from a prospect perspective there it, it looked great uh 96 percentile breakout age as a true freshman at western michigan and he commanded a massive share of their offense all four years uh, when it comes to speed, he ran a 4.53 at 6'3", 209 pounds, so 74th percentile speed score. And he's praised for his route running, his separation, catch after the uh, run after the catch ability. But with all that, somehow he hasn't gone for over 1,000 yards in four NFL seasons. So it begs the question, what's going on? It's really hard because you look at he was catching passes from Marcus Mariota, who right now is a backup quarterback. You and I still have some love for him, but you leave Marcus um, Mariota out of this. I, I, I won't. I I love him uh, in his own right too, and I actually have high hopes for him going into the next few years. But um, you could just kind of say that he hasn't been able to live up uh, to these standards that were set at the beginning with his high draft capital. Um, so here's my thought process: here is I'm not going to ding him for his past. Uh, you've got this opportunity. Uh, to be able to look at a player continually going forward. Uh, I like to use the uh, Devontae Parker uh, analogy, where you have someone who, again, repeatedly you thought there was greatness there, you knew something was there, but he was being held back by situation, by coaching, etc., and all of a sudden finally got his chance and just blossomed. So with Corey Davis going into the season, what I'm setting my North Star to is there is a great opportunity in the free agent market to be able to go and really find a team that's going to be able to utilize his skill set. Uh, because you started to see the pop with the Tennessee Titans, but they are not a pass first team. And if they're going to, you're sitting behind AJ Brown at that point. So you're going to have to make some big plays. Whenever he was targeted, he was making massive plays. If you look at the, uh, the game logs afterwards, his um, yards per catch is just insane. So he was making these big boy plays, uh, even with a limited target share there. So let's take this ability and then transplant that into perhaps being the number two for the Green Bay Packers. You've got Devontae Adams pulling uh, defenses off the top, and you have this awesome opportunity to be catching balls from Aaron Rodgers. I start to see these kind of pads for him as a free agent to really be able to go in and make an impact as a seasoned veteran on a team that's really looking to win. And so... With that, I am all over him this year. I'm excited to see where he lands. 
Uh, I'm, it, there's a wide range of outcomes, right? But I think there's a huge ceiling if he's able to land on a team that can really put his skill sets to work. Yeah, and I will fully admit, um, as I was the one who put this, hasn't gone over a thousand yards in the NFL stat in our notes. Um, that is true. He was like, he missed two games and he was like 17 yards short. Yep, 16 year. or 17 yards shy. So it's, however, it's, it's an... however, staying on the field is a skill, right? We, we yep. knock certain guys for their ability to stay healthy, right? Like Will Fuller until this year was always for the guy sure. that had that kind of label. Uh, I was fading Devontae Parker this year, even after last year. And these guys that break out super late, I don't know. I, I think they're few and far between. Um, I think a change of scenery would be good. Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers QB upgrade would be helpful. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Again, not against Corey Davis, um, but you know, four years not breaking that thousand yard mark, whether it was because of his play or not being on the field, it's a little bit of a tough sell for me. That's fair. And and here's the thing. I mean, you're not buying him at even wide receiver two prices. Uh, and I think people fail to see that he was a wide receiver three uh, for this year. So if you're able to get someone like him for cheap and put in your flex with this opportunity to start seeing a lot more wide receiver two days out of him than wide receiver three, I just feel like the risk is worth the reward. Again, like we were talking about with the Taylor Harry, where I think he's at his basement price. I think people are still seeing even the free agent market. You've got other bigger names like Allen Robinson on there. So he's just kind of flying just enough under the radar where if you are needing a little help there, uh, I would certainly say he's someone to at least toss out some offers on because I think his um, value will only continue to trend upwards. So I didn't realize that this is the way we were trending, but it's the way we're trending. Uh, we're going to talk about another wide receiver that has kind of missed expectations his first couple of years in the league. Yeah. And that is a fan favorite of both of us. And that is our buddy, Mr. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. To kind of set the table for him, you know, again, we love to give like a little snapshot of their prospect profiles coming out of college. Um, Super early breakout at Texas A&M. Dan and I both big fans of breakout age, especially at these bigger schools, right? Yep. Um, Phenomenal speed, just a great deep threat and super dynamic in space. So this is a guy that averaged over 450 yards in the return game every single year, which Dan, you know, I love that special team. This is true. And seven career return TDs to his name. So Dan, I'm going to throw this one to you again. Christian Kirk, what is going on? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I am I'm very interested to see what's going to go on this season because there, there started to seem like there's the, the stars aligning, right? Uh, played with Kyler Murray. And actually, anecdotally, uh, caught his first uh, college touchdown pass um, from, uh, well, it was Kyler Murray's first college touchdown pass. So they have this relationship, right? And you have this opportunity to be able to say, oh, man, okay, they have this connection coming from college. Uh, And then you have DeAndre Hopkins come into the mix. So that was something that started to stunt uh, Christian Kirk's ability to immediately go in and make the impact because up until that point, he was kind of being perceived as the the wide receiver one in waiting with Larry Fitzgerald uh, still hanging around there. But now going into this season, you got Larry uh, going off, uh, setting into the sunset, which Larry legend, Larry legend, baby. You can, not, a, not a bad thing to say about that guy. Fantastic career. Um, but he was taking uh, looks away from some of the other wide receivers. So this opportunity does present itself now where there's another level of familiarity with Kyler. Uh, you've got Hopkins being able to take the top cornerback um, there and still be able to be on the field as this wide receiver too, 
with them looking to continue to throw a decent amount. Uh, I know they uh, end up running a decent amount of wide receiver four sets too, so it's not like it's limiting in that factor. Uh, you're knowing that he's going to be getting on the field a decent amount. So it's hard, I think, with some of these guys, we've continually covered health as an issue, and he just finds an, a, a, a way to be able to miss uh, like two to four games a season, which is frustrating for owners. And that's the one thing that I would probably say I, I worry about most is uh, availability is the best ability, as we like to say. So him missing that opportunity to really capitalize on that gameplay is going to be the one thing I'm going to be weary of. Uh, but again, with that team, with that offense, the coaching, Kyler Murray and uh, teammates um, beside him, that offense is going to be a really fun one to watch. And I think he could easily start to slide into a more prominent role, uh, taking over the market share that Larry Fitzgerald held uh, in the earlier part of last season. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, he's, again, someone that is not going to cost you much as of right now, unless you have a certain truther that you're dealing with, uh, Max or myself, uh, who are probably going to be looking uh, to recoup some of their value there. But I think he's another one that is just under the surface. There have been some circumstances that have changed that really opened up a uh, a nice ceiling for him. I have a Christian Kirk jersey hanging in my closet. That's that all I'm going to say about that. Um, and, you know, with your with your Corey Davis fifth-year breakout, I'm shaking my head. With, with the Christian Kirk fourth-year breakout, I can kind of squint and see it. So I'm holding. Yep. Uh, love the talent. Loved him coming out of college. Um, but I want to round out players are talking about today going to the running back position and last time we talked about derrick henry suiting up in the best car taking the hits bowling people over and i want to talk about a guy who's putting on his stormtrooper helmet for the attack of the clones mr aj dillon Woo. coming out of bc dan and i are both new england guys so bc near and dear to our heart um he looks like a mini, not even so mini. He looks like Derrick Henry, right? He's yeah. a guy, 250 pounds, running a four-five-three, also putting up 23 reps on the bench, which is 74th percentile for running backs. He's Ooh. big, he's fast, he's strong, and 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 96th percentile BMI. Which oh man, a lot of people would tell you that's why Frank Gore has just like played 13, 14, 15, yep. 27 seasons or whatever it's been in a row. Um, AJ Dillon looks like he's built to last as a fast bruising running back in the NFL. Seriously. And for, for those of you not familiar with what he did at BC, um, even at just his last year there, 1700 rushing yards. So monster, monster production. Um, 1,100 of those coming after contact. So something you see similar, like another Derrick Henry yep. comparison where it's just like the guy does not go down after first contact. Um, and he actually led the nation in, in total missed tackles. So Dang. forced 79 missed tackles on his 317 carries that year. And, you know, AJ Dillon, we're squinting a little bit to see this potential, right? I think he was like a late second round, early third round pick, maybe not getting the hype in uh you know this past year with the incoming class um but we've seen kind of some fun flashes in the nfl you know small yeah. sample size but he had a 37 percent juke rate so you'd love to see that elusiveness continued at the nfl love level it. um really the only chink in the best car that i can find dan is history of pass catching right it's true we talk about how important receptions are you know for the 99% of us that are playing in PPR leagues, the 1% yep. in standard, you know, they don't care as much. Um, 
he only had 21 receptions in three years at BC. So when you talk about the engine of an offense, it was all ground production. There wasn't a lot sure. of, you know, air action to be said there. And he only had two receptions this year, albeit on two targets, which is a yep, 100% exactly. catch that rate. Is, hey, love that, baby. Crunching the numbers. Um, but I just wanted to bring him up because I think he's somebody that I'm going to start to continue to maybe send some feelers out for. Yep. You and me I both. don't know if we know what's happening with the Green Bay backfield as a whole, right? Um, you don't. But it, it feels like there's a lot of potential here. Um, and like I said, Attack of the Clones. Like, if you could get yep. yourself, if you could get your hands on Derrick Henry Part 2 right now for pretty cheap, that seems enticing to me. Yeah, agreed. And, and that's the thing, Max. As you're saying, there's not a lot of clarity uh, with what's going on with uh, Green Bay and their backfield right now, which is why he is probably at his cheapest he's ever going to be. Because uh, as you start to get a little bit more clarity, um, sure, if you see Aaron Jones uh, continue to stay with the Green Bay Packers, um, then there's still an opportunity to be like a little one-two punch. Uh, AJ takes a little bit more of the uh, passing downs and uh, Dylan starts to come in for more of just the pure rushing. Um, but there is this opportunity that Green Bay with their cap situation is not great right now. They're really tight on that. So unless they restructure Roger's deal, going to be very hard to find a uh, enticing offer to be able to keep uh, Aaron Jones around and if you snag uh, AJ Dillon before that type of news breaks you could easily have like a top 15 running back right there even top 12 uh, if you see Aaron Jones walk so there's this just kind of ability to try with the crystal ball see what uh, the array of outcomes could be and at its worst, you have a guy who's still very talented and is going to wait, need to wait his turn uh, if Aaron Jones sticks around. But if he leaves, the sky is the limit for this guy because it is uh, just a really awesome offense to be a part of if you're, uh, if you're working with Aaron Rodgers there. All right, Dan. To close us out for today, a few episodes ago, I put you on the hot seat. We did rapid fire. I thought you killed it. I want to see, see if you can kill it again. Okay, so right on. I got questions for you. Gonna put you on the hot seat. Are you ready? I am ready. Hit me. You're in a startup tomorrow. Yep. CeeDee Lamb or Justin Jefferson? Ooh, man. So this one's interesting. I was actually kind of reading on that. Um, CeeDee Lamb, technically, if he had a full 16-game pace with Dak, would have exceeded uh, Jefferson and what he was able to accomplish this year. So I still believe that CD is the guy over Justin Jefferson it is not saying a disservice to Jeff Justin Jefferson. He has done amazing things, but I feel like if you're catching uh, passes from Dak Prescott, it's got a higher value than those coming from Chris, uh, Kirk cousins. So a, I'm going to give CD the slight edge there, uh, which might see be perceived as blasphemy, but I got to go with my gut. I love it. Debo Samuel or Brandon. Ayuk moving forward. Ooh, Brandon Ayuk for me. Uh, I think his ceiling is way higher. I love what Debo can do uh, out of the backfield. I think he's a great, I don't want to call him a gadget player, but he has more uh, a gadget to him uh, than a true wide receiver one. I loved what I saw out of Ayuk. And if they happen to get a QB upgrade, uh, then I think that really starts to separate Ayuk from Debo because he's going to be catching a lot of really nice passes. This one's a guy that nobody really talks about, but I think we both love him. Tariq Cohen, are you buying low right now? Are you sending offers? Ooh, you know what? No, I'm not. Um, he is 
he's phenomenal for what he's been able to do with the Bears. They used him super creatively. They overutilized him one of the years that he just totally popped. Um, he absolutely has an ability to have like a James White's continuation with his career. I think it's super scheme dependent. There were talks of him being shipped off to like the Eagles in a deal at one point with Wentz. Like there's so much ambiguity there that I'm not going to be targeting him unless he's like dirt cheap. I would maybe pay a third. If anyone's looking for anything more than that, then I couldn't do it. Okay, interesting. I might have to fight you about that on a later dynasty podcast. We'll, <laughs> Please. we'll wait until then. To round it out, here's the question I know you're going to roll your eyes at. You're going to be like, ah, this is exactly what I knew Max was going to do. <laughs> I want to talk about one of my favorite players, and I want to give you a couple guys to either take my favorite player or take them, and that is Mr. Sure. Visca Chenault. Ooh, nice. All right, I love it. LaVisca Chenault or Curtis Samuel? Ooh, I, I'm going to go LaVisca just because if the uh, QB situation goes the way that it seems it's like it's going to go, I got to take that. I love it. LaVisca or Brian Edwards? Ooh, okay. Ah, that's so hard. I, I have to say Brian Edwards. I think his ceiling is higher. But there's so little to go off of in the NFL right now that I don't feel great saying it. You get on me for talking about projections of players and the making the potential in. You've at least seen LaVisca on the field. But we're going to keep I've going. At least, I know. I know. It pains me. But LaVisca or Chase Claypool? Ooh, man. I have to go Chase there. I, I think um, that's a great question. But Chase really showed up this year. Uh, LaVisca was just simmering under the surface. Uh, I think you've got a big play playmaker in Chase Claypool going forward. Uh, only thing that we, I would ding uh, him for in that regard is uh, QB future. Don't know what's going to be happening, but as of right now, it's Claypool. All right. We're sticking with the same class. LaVisca or Denzel Mims moving forward? Ooh. <sighs> These are tough. That one, I'm, I'm going I'm going LaVisca there right uh just because jet's gonna jet and i love mims and i really hope there's a good future for him there but right now i'm going lavisca lavisca or jerry judy you were not prepared never, for hardball i, I were was you? not this i was not that was uh I, i'm gonna say jerry judy i'm not even the biggest jerry judy fan but i feel like he has a a gear to unlock uh that's gonna probably put him just north of lavisca lavisca chenault or another Denver playmaker, Cortland Sutton. Oh, Cortland Sutton for me there. I have okay. to. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. Last Cortland one. A wide receiver one. Even though I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. LaVisca or Odell Beckham? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I mean. Oh, I, your truther I, is showing right now, dude. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to say LaVisca. I'm going to say LaVisca. It's it's crazy, but this is dynasty. If you're talking just like redraft one year, yeah, it's Odell Beckham. But for opportunity to be able to buy low on a wide receiver two, in my opinion, that's going to be catching uh, passes from Trevor Lawrence, uh, I'm, I'm taking LaVisca there. The opportunity is just too great. All right. I love it. That was a little bit more hardball this time, but you knocked good. it out of the park. You knocked it out yeah, of the we'll park. Yeah, we'll see. Well, hold, me, hold me to it in six months. <laughs> I expected nothing less of you. Uh that's really all I got, man. Good job with the awesome. rapid fire. Hey, thanks. Good questions, man. Awesome way to kick off the offseason. Like I said yeah. at the beginning of the show, this is the time to make moves. This is the time to plan. Uh, I know we're both doing a lot of rookie homework right now, so I'm hoping to have yep. some great stuff to bring back real soon. 
Yeah, it's gonna be great. And it, honestly, with the uh, off season, it's fun. This is the time where you start to stake your stake your claims, uh, pick your guys, and start to craft your new roster around it. So uh, hopefully, some of these guys that we touched on can maybe make it onto your rosters in the future, or at least we provided some some good perspective so that you can start to uh, think a little bit more critically about them. So uh, gonna be fun. We're gonna be do a lot more of this as we continue the off season. Well said, buddy. Getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in.